we're just sitting back and vaguely hoping that yeah. somebody is going to just pop up right. out of nowhere uh, and invite us into community and friendship. Right. Yep. right. right? Yep. And we're desperately wishing that that would happen yep. while literally everyone else is doing the exact same thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. nobody is taking the initiative yeah. Yeah. to actually go get it started because, again, that fear of rejection. Right. Yes. What if nobody shows? Yeah. yeah. But I think what you're pointing out is that when you do it, people respond people because that, oh we all want that. Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast from Real FM. Here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. Hello and welcome to Real Talk Season 6, Episode 6. This is the podcast where we get real about all things from current events, culture, and faith. I'm Isaac, joined by Kara. Hello. And Anson. Hello. What's up, guys? How much? Good to see your face. Yeah. Good to see your face as People's well. faces. We are socially distancing still. This is a this is a live in-person Zoom call. It's a 3D experience. I know. This is amazing. Smells and all. <laughs> by the way, I put deodorant on for this specifically, you're so you're still all six welcome. feet away, so I can't really I can't, smell yes. your, your smelly pits. You'll be wafting me soon. <laughs> Speaking of being around people. The topic that we're tackling today is defeating loneliness and making friends. Mm. And I think that that's something as adults, no one has mastered. Mm. It's true. If you do, you can probably write a killer book about it and make <laughs> a zillion dollars. That's a really funny point, actually, yeah. as I think about that. We spend all this time as adults trying to teach our kids certain things. Yeah. If there's one thing I feel like that kids are really good at, way better than adults. Yep. It's making friends. Yeah, yeah for like sure. My daughters, I mean, we go anywhere and they've made three friends with random strangers and yes. they're all playing together on the playground yeah. by the time we leave and like, wait, I don't want to leave my brand new best friend I met five <laughs> minutes, you know? Exactly. And I'm standing there as the parent going like, no, stop making friends with strangers. That's weird. You're I'll not supposed to talk to, to their parents. You're not supposed to do that, right? Like, it's yeah. kind of bizarre. It yeah. is. We're going to talk that all out and see where we can land on that. We're also looking at the struggle bus this week. Kara, she's talking about quarantining with your opposite personality type. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all of us are doing that. So yes, I'm, all three of us here. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see what you got going on with yeah, that. Me too. I have good vibes this week, and I'm talking about spending more time with my wife and getting a new routine established. And Anson is going on the record with Joshua Micah, whose song Moving Through Me is being pretty well received by our Real FM homies. disclosure, I had to narrow down my struggle bus this week because there were so many struggles. So which one am we I going to... We rename it to the struggles bus if we need to. <laughs> the struggle greyhound. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the seems, struggle jet plane. It's more, yeah. <laughs> more accurate for me right now. But this one is a pretty big one. So my husband is the opposite personality type of me, completely all but one, if we're talking Myers-Briggs and nerding out. He's an ESTJ. I am an INFJ, so we do share the J. He's got a J in there. uh, Which helps. (laughs) But right now, the biggest thing I think we're noticing in quarantine is the introvert-extrovert differences and how we're coping. And it's been a little tricky because, let me give you some context, we live in a very tiny little place that's about 660 square feet, one bedroom, one bathroom. And it's perfect perfect for what we need. Honestly, it's been awesome. Thankfully, we have a little patio. So that's kind of like a bonus room when Mm -hmm. it's warm enough. Yeah. (laughs) So 
that's where we're at. And my husband actually got laid off a few weeks ago from his job and God's really provided for us. And it's actually been, he's needed some time off. So that's been cool, but he's been home a lot and I've been home at least half days working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're kind of figuring out this, like we're in each other's space mm-hmm. and he's done like as many projects as he can and he's run out of projects yeah. now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if your partners are like this, but he does not do well with lots of free time. Like he wants to relax, but can't Mm -hmm. (laughs) almost. He's like, I feel worthless if I'm not producing and getting projects done. And I'm like, in some ways working on something or having something to do is relaxing. Yes. For them. And I'm like, I don't understand this at all. (laughs) Like I will sit on the couch all day and watch all the Netflix and read all the books. And he's like, I can't sit still long enough to read this book for a few minutes. He's like, I gotta do something. I gotta get out. And I'm like, I don't know how to help you. Because all the ways that I cope with things like this are the opposite of the ways that you cope. And literally all of your coping mechanisms have been taken away, Mm -hmm. which is super rough. But it's not ultimately about, oh, we're fighting because we're together. It's not about Mm -hmm. that. I just don't know how to help genuinely. Exactly. Because, yeah, of course, I'm there with you, but I'm not enough. Like for an extrovert, (laughs) I'm not enough. And that itself is hard to wrestle with. It is hard. Because Bree and I have been talking about this tons, too, because she's an extreme extrovert. Yes. For me to wrap my head around how she feels, we've said the way you feel after we do a Christmas day with any of our family is how I feel all the time. (laughs) And I was like, oh, you just feel exhausted and spent and worn out because I'm around people all those days. Yeah. And I go home exhausted and ready to sleep. That's how she is just by default now because we're supposed to be away from people. And I don't really count as people because you're just around me all the time anyway. You need different people. (laughs) Well, yeah, I've heard it explained that extroverts, it's not just about people. It's about the amount of stimulation their brain needs to like produce dopamine. Yeah. Like they actually need more stimulation than introverts do. And so people are one form of stimulation, Mm -hmm. but there are others like going to a new restaurant or just going out and driving around and like exploring the world around them. Right. Experiencing the world around them Mm -hmm. is how they get energy. Mm -hmm. And so when you're experiencing the same things over and over and over every day and the same people like that's draining. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where he's at. And I feel really bad. Obviously, the quarantine thing isn't as hard for me because I am an introvert, but I'm still working and balancing and trying to like find time to be alone and not feel guilty about leaving him alone. And so I am a little bit tired, but also wanting to recognize like, well, you're you're extra tired right now. I don't know what to do, you guys. (laughs) This is my struggle bus this week. I think that just asking what you can do to help probably goes a long way. Bree and I have been taking drives and going out on drives with our dog. Yeah. um, Just leaving the house because that's kind of both of our things. We need to leave the house sometimes. Leaving the house does help. Yeah. We won't yeah. go in anywhere, but we'll just get in the car. And we drove to Bentonville. We drove about yes. 45 minutes the other day just to look at stuff. And that's we went, good. Okay, that was fun. And then we just <laughs> turned around and went home. And it was actually really nice. That's good. Yeah. yeah, drives are good. I think leaving the house is a big one. And that's something that for you and I, Kara, who are still coming to work right. for at least two or three hours a day, we're still getting every weekday a daily excursion away from yeah. the house. Which helps. Which which does help. And we may not even realize how much that's helping Yes, until I had a conversation with my wife the other day and she was pointing out, yeah. well, you still leave home for three hours yeah. every weekday yep. and I don't ever, like, unless deal. I go on a grocery shopping trip, yeah. that's pretty much the only time I'm leaving home. So that's a yeah. huge deal. Finding an opportunity to leave the home is really important. Even if it's just to go drive around, even yeah. if there's not mm-hmm. much to do or 
ride a bike, go for a walk, getting yeah. some fresh air, exploring the world around you, I right. think is something that's really, really key. And it's even harder to recognize when one, you don't need it as much as your spouse. And on top yeah. of that, number two, you may actually still be getting more of it than them also. I yeah. know. Yeah. Which is rough. I'm like, yeah. I'm so sorry, <laughs> but I'm getting more of this at the moment. He's come up with creative ways. There's different projects that he's figuring out. Mm-hmm. But on the days where he doesn't have a project, mm-hmm. I noticed he doesn't feel good when he's not getting enough of the stimulation. Mm-hmm. So just having compassion for that and trying to think of those creative ways. I like that. Go for a drive, get out. My wife recently started a couch to 5k thing because yeah. she was just like I need to get out of the house and I yeah. need some fresh air and yeah. exercise does wonders for a oh, lot yeah. of those feelings yeah. as well. Yeah. And so that kind of ticks all the boxes for her, even though it's not with other people. Right. Ideally, right. she'd have maybe a partner to do that with. Right. But the next best thing is at least to get out of the house and yeah. do something active and engage her yeah. body and her mind and something. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It is my turn on Good Vibes this week. A few episodes ago, I had the struggle bus and my struggle bus for the quarantine and isolation was kind of along the lines of what you mentioned that Cody was kind of going through care, like just trying Mm -hmm. to figure out a routine of the new normal and sort of sketching out what in the world I am to do with my hands now. Yeah. (laughs) More often. Good point. I'm now able to work basically completely remote, except for coming in to record things like this every now and then. And initially that was, I thought going to be super easy and really fun happy joy times and (laughs) like day two I was like oh why is this so hard this was base why am I scared at base right now I'm scared I didn't know why it was so hard for me and I think it was just the disruption Mm -hmm. as a whole Mm -hmm. that was really hard but now I've kind of gotten into my own routine it's been what almost it's been several weeks now I've had that time to sort of arrange the feng shui in my office (laughs) to where it it works well I've redone my office three or four times now trying to figure out how I like it. I wake up, I make my coffee, I take Mm. my dog out, and now I have these small rituals that I do every day now. Yes. I get prepped, I do my shows, I do all my work, and I found that I'm actually working better now, getting more things done, being able to just sit and work for these huge time blocks. Yeah. It's been really helpful, and me and my wife have sort of established a I know that she needs people time. Yeah. She knows that I need alone time. And we sort of have naturally established a rhythm with that. Mm. And it has been really refreshing to come out on the other end of the panic and just sort of rest into hopefully a temporary new normal. Yeah. And I think I've finally reached the exhale point. And I know that that's a mm. huge piece of privilege and a blessing to even be saying like, oh, well, I'm stressed about working from home, like during well, this huge deal. Sure. Um, but that was a big stress point. And I think that I'm kind of on the other end of that. OK, now I can do this. Mm. I really felt that in the last couple of days, just waking up and knowing, OK, I have this to do. Once that's done, we're OK. And I can hang out with Bree and do all these things. That's it's cool. just been nice to sort of get there. And I don't know if that's y'all's experience mm. once you finally reach that point of the grieving process, I guess, <laughs> but I'm at yeah. the acceptance phase and I think I'm feeling good. That's good. I think I'm getting better as well. There's little routines like what you said about, okay, you wake up, do you do the cup of coffee? You take your dog out. Like there's these little touch points that you create that almost trigger like, okay, now it's time to do the next right. thing. So I do right. think that's getting better with time. Mm-hmm. I think I still am working on the sweet spot, but I'm so glad you found it. That's awesome. <laughs> 
awesome. I think one of the things that this environment has taught me is the importance of rhythms. Yes. And that we all have rhythms, whether we have created them intentionally or not. Right. Mm. But I think this time has really reinforced to me that taking some time to intentionally craft what those rhythms right. are yes. can be really, really helpful. Yep. It sounds like you've made a lot of progress in that area of like figuring out what your rhythms mm. look like yeah. right now. And that's something that, yeah, I think in our household, we've found a few of those things as well. And mm. there's a few of them that we're pretty thankful for, actually, that like we can have this rhythm during this time with mm. yeah. my wife starting a new job and me kind of being at home to help manage the kids and the household with her while she's transitioning mm. into that. So mm-hmm. there's been some things that have been really positive. There's been some hardships as well. But I, I feel like the biggest takeaway is just realizing let's right. try to be a little bit more intentional about figuring out what rhythms work for us and, yeah. and make them mm-hmm. work for us as opposed to making us like slaves to them. Right. And that's the thing right. I kind of want to carry on even as we exit this season at some point, hopefully, yeah. uh, and right. things go back to some semblance of what we might call normal. Like the before times. <laughs> right. I'm sure there'll be things that are just going to be different, honestly, yeah. from now on. But as things do go back to a little bit more of a normal at some point, I want to carry some of that with me yeah. and say, okay, how can I take some of the things I've learned in this time period with these new rhythms I've established and carry those over into the future as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think to your point, I let so many things sort of dictate my rhythm versus taking a little bit more ownership of it. And Mm. I think this sort of forced me to flip that. And it's Mm. it's just been really nice. That's good. Highly recommend. now for On the Record, and I'm pleased to be joined this week by Real FM artist Joshua Micah, whom you might recognize from many singles that we've played on Real FM, including Parachute, Who Says, Heart Stops Beating, and now a new single that is, in fact, our top performing song on Real FM this week, Moving Through Me. Joshua, thank you so much for joining me, man. Of course, man. Um, You guys have been super supportive, and I appreciate it, man. So, I'm honored to come on. Yeah, well, thanks. We love your music and we're excited to be able to chat with you. So the first thing I'm kind of curious about is obviously all over the country, everyone's been affected by this whole coronavirus quarantine thing. So I'm kind of curious how this has changed up your life and your routines, especially, you know, you're coming out with music right now and the world's upside down. So what looks different about your life right now with all of the, uh, the quarantine stuff and coronavirus stuff going on? On the work side of things, I'm usually in recording sessions and when I'm making music and stuff and working with other people, there's been a lot of like cancellation on stuff like that. Some people are okay with it for, you know, me to go to their studio and it's just me and them. And then some people are, you know, just to be safe. And I completely get that. I guess like everybody else, I'm working remotely in my own way. But thankfully, within music, you can send files back and forth when you're working on songs and and that kind of thing. So it's doable. It's just different. When this whole thing started, I had just taken a flight. I was in Los Angeles and I flew from LA to Nashville. I got in at like midnight and I woke up the next morning and I was talking to my roommate and I'm like, I wasn't feeling that great, which was weird. (laughs) And, um... I got totally into my own head and I was like, start psyching yourself out. I hope, (laughs) you know, but thankfully I was just tired or I hadn't slept a lot. Good. Yeah. My wife is a little bit of a a hypochondriac. So every time I cough, she's like, you doing okay? You feeling all right? How (laughs) how you doing over there? You know? And I'm like, I'm fine. I just get to clear my throat. I'm good. Right. Right. But uh, yeah, you do start wondering about all those little things all of a sudden. It's a crazy new world that we're living in at the moment. Yeah. So, all right, here's a question I'm curious about because I actually saw you tweet this a couple of days ago. You asked uh, an incredibly 
important but dangerous question, and I'm not actually sure that I ever saw you answer it yourself. So I feel I like the, the world needs to know where you stand on this: uh, pasta or tacos? Okay, well, or give us some background as to what spurred this great philosophical question. Okay, this happens to me every week, probably once or twice. It'll be like 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. comes around. I'm always like torn between two different things. And like, I crave both of them really bad so okay. this time. This time it was pasta and tacos. And I didn't expect as many people to <laughs> to say what they were going to say. It was like, I don't know how, maybe it's like 150 people or something. Yeah. And like, some people were very passionate about their choice. Yes, like, they were. We had some people, they die by tacos. It's like their culture. So if I was to be like, well, I just ate pasta. I feel like, like <laughs> man, you let me down. <laughs> but I did end up eating pasta because... I already had it in my fridge and I already had it made. And in order to get tacos, I would have had to drive like 15 minutes. And I was like, ah, this is easy. Fair enough. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm pasta. a massive pasta fan myself. That's like my favorite food. So I'm on team pasta, but uh, I can Italian understand. by any chance. I'm not. No, I just like wish I was, I guess. Anything carbs, man. I'm all over that. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm, you know, nothing against tacos though, too. Like it, there's no losing choice there in my no, view. No, it's so. really not. Yeah. But I understand that, you know, you take a side, you alienate a bunch of people. You got to be careful with that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I didn't even think I, I don't, <laughs> that wasn't the reason. I mean, I would have, I just think I just forgot or something. Fair I should enough. have though. I think it would have been kind yeah. of funny to troll everyone. Take a stand. Like, well, Maybe that's a song in the I future or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's funny too. I talk to our like social media manager all the time and he laughs about the types of posts, you know, that really get people going and engagement. They're not always the ones that you would expect. Sometimes yeah. you, you try to say something really deep or profound or start a, a serious conversation about something and you get crickets and then you bring up tacos and all of a sudden everyone's going off. So yeah, it's exactly what happened. I was like, <laughs> man, you hope that like the things that are actually important, people will respond to right. it because it's like helping them. But then you're like pasta or tacos and then yeah. people are like, I want to say something. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so, Twitter, right? That's just how it works, funny, I guess. Man. One of the things that we're talking about later on in the episode is we're tackling the topic of loneliness and the challenge of making friends. And obviously, this is a big deal right now in our current environment with the self-quarantine stuff going on. But honestly, even I think during like normal and sane times, I think a lot of us deal with challenges around loneliness in our culture, the difficulty of making friends as adults. I'm curious, is that something that you've found to be a challenge in your own life, either during this current time or just in general? And if so, like, what do you do to combat that? Yeah, man. It's like, I feel like seasonal for me. So I live in Nashville. My family and my two older brothers, who I'm super close with, live in Connecticut. It's where I'm from. And all of my closest friends that I grew up with that are I'm still super close with, they live in Connecticut. So that distance alone, obviously, isn't easy. My brothers, they have kids, like babies and stuff. And they're growing up and I'm not there kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's tough. To be honest, I live in Nashville. I've been here for two years. I don't have a ton of friends. Mm -hmm. I try to, like, it's probably bad, but I basically try to cover up that feeling with just working and working more. <laughs> Understand <And> that. <laughs> not saying that's the right thing to do, but it, it seems to help me kind of get over that kind of like loneliness, I guess that strikes every once in a while. Yeah. I can imagine like moving to a new city and a new environment and pouring yourself into your work. There are probably seasons where you have to be a little more intentional about trying to find that those social opportunities. Absolutely. You do have to be intentional with it. I'm in both parties. You know, if it's a friend or something, it can't just be one sided. It's right. never fun to be the, the friend that's always reaching out. Right. And it's rare to find to find a friend who's like, hey, man, like, let's go 
get some food or let's go hang out. <laughs> That's rare and awesome when you find it. So during this quarantine time, have, is there anybody that you have been able to spend some time with? Or are you pretty much on your own then until this thing blows over? So I have a roommate who's also my drummer. So that helps. We're really close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's basically him. And then one of my really good friends who has been working on all my new music, like the, the stuff that you guys have been playing right now. Mm-hmm. It's one of my really good friends who's a producer. He's a great friend of mine. I'm actually going to go to his house later. So we're just going to like play video games and just, there you, hang, go. you know, not work. Okay. So what video games do you play? I love video games. I always have since I was a kid. Um, I've always been a soccer fan. I'm a huge soccer fan. So I play FIFA. Okay. And there's this like new Call of Duty game that came out. I play as well. And it's, it's also a way that I keep connected with my friends at home because we all play totally. together. <laughs> yes. So it's kind of like a two birds with one stone kind of thing. Yeah, that's cool. I love video games too and totally identify with the social aspect yeah. of it, which is kind of interesting, I think, because there's kind of this stigma around video games of, you know, like playing in your parents' basement and the Cheetos right. Mountain Dew kind of stereotype of like you don't interact with the outside world at all. And oh, yeah, gaming has turned into a really social thing for a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah, it's no different than calling someone and talking on the phone for an hour, two hours, or however long you play. You know, just shooting baddies at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, hey, you mentioned releasing some new music lately. Um, And so I want to kind of go back to a couple of years ago, at least as far as we knew, like here at Real FM and in like Christian radio, you kind of burst on the scene a couple of years ago with singles like Parachute and Who Says doing really well for radio. And I know that at the time you were literally just emailing your songs to stations, trying to get them to play it. If you kind of take me back to a few years ago when you were doing that, what was it like to kind of see that hard work pay off with your music getting picked up by some stations? That had to have been encouraging, I would think. Yeah, dude, it was so cool. I think it was 2016 or 17. I was living in Los Angeles. I wasn't calling myself an artist. I was working with a company to make music for like TV and commercials, like sync in the music world. Yeah. It's a great career if you love it. But for me, they'd send me an email and be like, hey, this TV show needs a theme song. Can you make it sound like this? We need it in four hours. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) okay. A lot of times it doesn't even get picked. Right. So it's like, what am I doing? Like, I feel like I have so much more to offer than just being like, a robot just like cranking out right these tracks serving like up whatever you're asked yeah i had this moment when i was in my apartment i was just like i moved out here to do this like no mm. this isn't it and you know sometimes when you just come to this moment and you're like okay god what's going on what do i need to do i had that moment in 2016 mm. literally i was laying on my back on my apartment floor for like two hours and i just had this same song over and over it was um tremble by mosaic yeah. And I felt a peace. Like God wanted me to make music for him. That was it. Like that's all I got. It was just like, hey, if you do this, do it for me and I and I got you. It was great to feel that peace and I kind of knew what I had to do at that point, but I was kind of like, man, what does this mean? I didn't have all the answers. I didn't have all the pieces to the puzzle. And I remember like kind of having this like rebellious prayer toward God and being like, "All right, well, if you want me to do this." Cuz I had tried the artist thing when I was like 18 years old. It wasn't fun. Like I didn't have a good experience. And I don't know why. It just wasn't the right time or something. So I was like, all right, God, like if I'm going to do this again, you have to introduce me to the right people, blah, 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 blah. I had my list of things that I needed, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And dude, no joke. The following Sunday, I went to a church that I had never gone to before. There's these three guys and we just like hit it off as friends. And then I found out they're producers and they just moved to LA to you know work with artists and this and that. 
after being friends for a couple months or whatever, I was like, hey guys, I have this song that I want to make. Like, do you want to work on this with me? And so that song was Parachute. Okay. So we had the song. There's no label. There was no plan. All I really had was I had this pretty big following that I'd created on Vine and playing guitar, drums or whatever and different things. Well, I'm going to put out this song to my fans, but I'm also going to like, <laughs> I'm going to email these radio stations and tell them, you know, like, hey, I know you don't know who I am, but if you like this song, like I could tell my audience to like tune into your station. <laughs> right. So I don't know if that's the reason why they played it. No, nah, man, or... I could just say it's a good song. <laughs> it's a good well, song. I, <laughs> thank you. And, uh, I mean, maybe the Vine thing helped. I don't know. But I, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I was just a good, trying to get to that point. Yeah. I didn't even know like who was playing it. It's a great song. Who Says was a, a great follow up as well. And you fast forward a couple of years and obviously it's, it's been a little while since we've heard some new music from you. It's kind of funny. We were talking to um, one of our other artists for one of these interviews uh, a few weeks ago, Andy Minio actually. And he was saying that one of the crazy things about being a music artist nowadays is that if you don't put music out every few months or something, fans start to think like you died or something because oh God, yeah. there's just this expectation that you're constantly churning out new stuff. And that's, that's changed really dramatically in the last decade or so in terms of kind of the expectations people have from, mm -hmm. from musical artists. So what has that been like for you? Obviously you've gone through kind of a little bit of a, a quiet period here, as far as your fans are concerned, that doesn't mean you weren't doing anything, but what, yeah. what is that kind of like managing those expectations, but also trying to give yourself some creative space to work in and, and all of those things. So to be honest, man, when parachute came out, that song was a number one on the, the CHR chart, I mm -hmm. guess. We weren't ready for that. Like, I didn't even have a team. <laughs> um, and then, thankfully, Josh Lorge, the radio promoter, jumped in with us, with me and my friend Josh and Ben. And he helped us kind of, like, start to establish something. And then we made Who Says. Lorch was able to get that even bigger, I think, at radio. Everyone started playing it. Dude, this, it all happened so fast. I didn't have a manager. Nothing. We were just figuring out ourselves. I wasn't even writing at that point because I had to wear my own manager hat and try to figure out everything kind of myself. And then we got tour offers. I did three tours. I'd never really toured before on, yeah. on that kind of level. So then it was like production and like stage design and like all that kind of stuff, dude. And so lots to learn. I moved to Nashville. So there's that. It just took some time to get everything in place and just find even the people I wanted to work with. I met one of my really good friends now, Justin. He's just an awesome dude, really good friends and all the new stuff that I've made and that's coming out and moving through me, watch me come to life. That's been me and Justin. Did I even answer your question? Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> you did. Stop. Yeah. It's a fascinating story to kind of hear a little bit behind the scenes of how all that comes together. And tell us a little bit then about what you're working on now. Obviously, you just recently released Moving Through Me, which we're playing on Real FM and which our listeners love. You just released a, another single that you just mentioned, I think last week it was. So tell us yeah. what you've been up to here recently. Well, the good thing now is I have a ton of new music because I have been writing for a long time now yeah. and just kind of not reworking my sound, but just developing more in music that I like and just trying to make a better version of myself as an artist. Mm. So Moving Through Me came out in January and then we just put Watch Me Come to Life out, putting a song on next month, the following month and the following month. So it's <laughs> yeah. just, there's going to be a lot of music. I haven't put much music out at all in, the, in a year or two. So I'm excited to put this stuff out, man. I've been sitting on it for a while and I'm, I'm really happy with, uh, with what's coming out. Well, we're looking forward to hearing it. So specifically, let's talk about Moving Through Me. Uh, tell us a little bit about, if you can, kind of the, the story behind how that song came together. 
it's funny. I kind of bring it back. I'll bring it back to the topic of video games. Okay. I love video games and like just kind of fantasy, I guess, anime, all that kind of stuff. I've always liked my whole life. Adventure, that kind of like topic. And so a lot of what all the new music is in, in capturing is that for me, moving through me is about just realizing like you have that power inside of you already. We've been given that power through Christ. It's already in you. So many times you doubt yourself that you can't do something or whatever, but it's like, it's already inside of you. It's acknowledging that it's there and just believing and having that faith that it's there. Now it is time for our conversation. We're looking at defeating loneliness and making friends. Obviously, during the middle of the COVID-19 epidemic, loneliness and isolation, it's even in the name, social isolation, social distancing, Mm -hmm. the things that we are doing per the CDC requirements. (laughs) Yes. What has been kind of interesting is that before all of this even went down, so looking back to the last couple of years, there have been these big surveys that came out. One of them from Cigna, a health insurance firm, showed that loneliness levels had reached an all-time high with 61% of American adults reporting feelings of separation. And Mm. then a YouGov poll found that 30% of millennials felt lonely always or often. Wow. And we were looking at this sort of as a footnote of like, oh, it's too bad. People are feeling lonely. (laughs) Well, okay. (laughs) And I think now this has kind of forced us to really wrestle with this as we all as a society feel lonely at the same time. So this feels like a very relevant discussion. We look at Western society studies about social conditioning and all of that, about how we cherish independence and we (laughs) look at people who are leaders as, you know, they don't have anyone on their side. They're just charging forward. And I personally, I don't know about you guys, but I definitely resonate with that mentality. I'm a friendly person because you're supposed to be nice to people. Right. But it's kind of like. Arm's length, dude. From a distance. What are you doing? Yeah. I didn't want that hug. It's really interesting. That's one of the things that I've kind of been researching some as we were preparing for this conversation was some things that are honestly very specific to American culture that are not necessarily in place in other cultures around Mm -hmm. the world. And sometimes, obviously, we're, we're not aware of that because we just know what we know. Yeah. But here in the United States, there have been studies done that show that we are one of the most individualistic cultures in the world. Yeah. And one of the very practical ways that this plays out is our literal social distance from other people. Like we're actually supposed to keep six feet of social distance. And we realized probably pretty quickly that we're not always six feet apart, but studies have shown that Americans stand further apart from each other than people generally do in other cultures. We do keep people literally at an arm's length from us. Most of the time, we're also much less touch oriented here in the United States. So in other cultures, it might be very common for people to greet people with a kiss, even strangers, right? Yeah. And we are like, that person's a hugger and that's weird. Right. Much less a yeah. kiss, right? right? Like that would be like, I don't <laughs> know, that'd be, be a, a social pariah. A jailable offense or something, <laughs> yeah. right? That's yeah. but yeah. even huggers were like, yeah, huggers are kind of strange. They're kind of out there. Yeah. And, and we don't have these same physical displays of affection for sure. each other here in the States. We just don't do non-sexual touch yeah. very well compared right. to a lot of other cultures. Wow. And one other thing that I read that I thought was really interesting about this is how people from individualist cultures describe themselves compared to how those from collectivist cultures describe themselves. Mm -hmm. So they would do surveys and stuff, right? Where they ask people to describe their own like character traits. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So people from an individualistic culture might say, okay, I am analytical 
and sarcastic and athletic. That's not me. I'm just using that as an example. <laughs> really not athletic. Where did but you get that dumbbell from? <laughs> that would be contrasted with self-descriptions from people living in a collectivist society. Mm-hmm. They are much more likely to describe themselves in terms that relate them to oh, wow. their culture or to people around them. Man. So instead of saying, I am X, Y, and Z, they would mm-hmm. say, I am a good husband. I am a loyal friend. Wow. I am kind and generous to others or like, so the things Hmm. that they think of about themselves are how they relate to people around them. Right. Whereas the way we think of ourselves really is just very self-focused and that kind of displays (laughs) the difference between an individualistic culture and a collectivist culture. And there are pros and cons to both. It's not like everything about our culture is necessarily bad, but I just think one of the byproducts of this highly individualistic Mm. culture that we have is that we kind of almost look down on things Mm. like relying on others, depending on people around us or Mm. anything like that, because we go, that's a sign of weakness. Oh, 100%. Whereas collectivist cultures would say, no, that's a sign of strength. And I, I think that's a major contributing factor to some of this loneliness. For sure. Yeah. I'm not proud of this at all, but before I did a deep dive into this researching and looking for this to prep for this episode, I realized that I'm right in that zone. Like I looked at the fact that I don't really get lonely very easily or that I don't really quote unquote need a lot of people around mm-hmm. me. I always viewed that as a good character trait. I yeah. was like, well, I'm, mm. I'm independent, man. It's That's fine. a strength. Right. Yeah. And I realized I have a completely flawed view about why I need people in my life. Ooh. So we looked wow. at some of these papers talking about how isolation and loneliness have been linked to many physical and mental health problems, including heart disease, diabetes, anxiety, and depression. Mm. And the health, this is wild, the health damage by isolation and loneliness is estimated to increase the risk of early death by 26%. Wow. That's bonkers. It's physically bad for us when we are lonely and isolated. So that's crazy. 25% is a lot. It's a lot. It's a quarter. It's so much. It's a big amount. It's been equated to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. And is estimated to cumulatively costing Medicare an additional 6.7 billion each year. So there is a real health benefit to having people around you. Now, that's not saying be a crazy person and be like, well, I need you because my health is dwindling. (laughs) (laughs) You need to surround yourself with people because it's physically good for you. Well, I mean, let's talk to the introverts for just a second. Like how (laughs) every introvert is familiar with this feeling of being invited to go to something. I don't want to do that because I'm an introvert and I hate being around people (laughs) or going to new things or whatever. It's scary and all this. But then you go do it and then you come away from it feeling what? better you're happy Way better. You did it. Yeah. you're happy you're right. like wow i'm really glad i did that and then you get another yeah. invitation you're like no nah, i don't want to do, do that, that. <laughs> right no no like, no every introvert i think is familiar with that where like yeah. it's an uphill battle to get yourself to that thing yeah. right but once you experience it you go oh that was a really healthy thing for me. Yes. Right. And it doesn't mean that alone time is all bad or that you can't have that or you don't even need a lot of that. Oh, yeah. Right. But those moments of social interaction are really, really healthy for us mentally. And I think that's usually pretty self-evident mm-hmm. if we would stop and reflect on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it makes sense that, I mean, our minds are really powerful. And so if it's that important to us mentally and emotionally to be around others, it makes sense that it's going to have a big physical impact as well. Oh, yeah. it's exercising. Think about all of the times you've needed to go to the gym you don't want to go and then on your drive home you're like okay all my muscles hurt everything hurts (laughs) 
I'm happy I did. Right. And that feels really good. I needed that. (laughs) Exactly. I remember so many times, especially when I was single, but even now, so many times I would spend a whole weekend alone. And as an introvert, I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I want. I want to be alone. I don't want to leave my house. I want to watch all the Netflix. But I knew if I did not see a friend and intentionally connect with someone, plan something at some point in that weekend, by Sunday afternoon, I was spiraling. Yeah, 100%. Depression spiraling and Mm -hmm. would be reaching out to my friends then going, I don't know what's wrong. And I'm like, well, it's Sunday and I haven't had any social interaction. And it was it was bad. So I can personally attest to that from just a mental space. But it's fascinating to me, the physical repercussions of that as well. And I think this whole epidemic thing has just brought that into a sharper relief for us, especially for introverts. Yeah. The experts probably already knew (laughs) that they needed all of that and they already knew that this would be really hard and they're missing it. Yeah. But I think for a lot of introverts, they're going, okay, wait, this whole like stay at home and never see anybody Uh and never do anything dream that I've always had for my whole life is not nearly what I thought it was going to be. I distinctly remember having conversations with people in this office of like, oh, I could use a good two week quarantine and then like three <laughs> days into that just climbing my roof yes. in my underwear like, screeching are people? yeah it's going nuts yes one of my best friends is like the introvert of all introverts i don't know anyone more introverted than her and at the beginning of quarantine we literally sent a text message that was like oh quarantine forever with pictures of our pets and i think it was like a week later mm-hmm. we were both yeah. texting each other and we were like i remember she said this is so much harder than i thought yeah, and yeah. i was like well that tells me a lot right. about all of us like we need this more than we think we do yes but i think on the flip side of that we cannot have this discussion with health benefits and all included and not admit that making friends as a big person is hard. Like (laughs) I've looked back on all of the times where I've had to really push myself to make new friends Mm -hmm. and it's always at the start of something. So the most recent time that I've had that was when I started college, I Mm. moved into a place where I knew nobody in this campus. And I, I had to, I remember going to the bathroom, getting ready for the day. And I said to myself, you have to know somebody like you cannot exist here well without making friends. No. So it was kind of a sink or swim thing. And I had to take that mentality and like, just push myself to talk to people Mm. because in the back of my head, I knew that I had to get some sort of connection formed because connections with people are so important. We've already talked about the health benefit, but just other people knowing that you're there and checking on you matters so much. But the lack of shared history with people and sort of having to fight the need to introduce myself all at once and sort of word vomit like, yeah, hi, I'm Isaac and I like motorcycles and skateboarding (laughs) and I've got tattoos. You want to see them? Like, I, I tend to do that when I'm nervous. Yeah. And when I'm meeting a new person in the in my head, I'm always like, don't say anything weird, man. Just like I know, right? Compliment their shoes. <laughs> don't talk about how you like Don't be weird. Don't be weird. Don't be weird. Yeah. Don't be weird. You ever seen bananas? <laughs> it's like, why would you say that? Yeah, they have. But uh, making true. friends for me is super hard. Past yeah. the name basis, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Getting to the point where they're your friend is hard. That's interesting to me as you bring up college because I think for any of us that went to school, you could probably think back to like freshman year mm-hmm. and the nightmare that maybe that was for a lot of people of trying to get plugged in and yeah. trying to figure out who your real friends were and yes. slot into your social group and all those things. But I think the other thing that happened, at least in my experience with school, was that by the time I did get to the end of it, I felt like, OK, I found my little group of people and we got along pretty well. And then we graduated and they all like spread out to the <laughs> farthest yeah. reaches of the country God, or whatever. Yes. And 
And then I had to start over and right. start making friends again uh. outside of school. And what I realized really quickly was, man, I made some really incredibly gratifying and deep friendships in college that have been really, really difficult to replicate since that time. Right. Because I was literally living with these people. I lived in a dorm with eight other dudes and we hung out literally every night and every day when we're not in class, we were together. Right. Right. And so you basically lived with them. And so it accelerated this growth process of friendship. Mm. Once I graduated and got married and was living with my wife and then we would see our friends at church once a week or a few times at work or whatever, these relationships <laughs> were not progressing as deeply yeah. as quickly yeah. as I was used to with my collegiate friendships. Right. And yeah. it started to be like, well, what's wrong? Do I just not get along with this person? Do I just not have a connection to them? Mm. Because we weren't spending every waking moment together. It right. just took a lot longer to develop. And so oh, that was man. kind of a hard thing that I had to figure out was like, how do I make friendships as an adult, for example, let's just say at church, there's other couples that this couple over here seems like a really nice couple and I'd love to get to know them. And we chit chat on Sundays and a few months later, we're still just kind of chit chatting on Sundays and it hasn't really Mm, gone anywhere. Like, how do I take that next step? I think that was something that my wife and I really struggled with coming out of school and trying to figure out how do we deepen these relationships when we're not like living on campus together? Yeah. Mm, Yeah. yeah. My husband and I, we've been married for about a year and almost a year and a half. And so we're kind of still in that stage of like finding our couple friends, Mm. you know, and like figuring that out. And it's been hard. It's been tricky like that. And you make a good point, Anson, the patience that it takes as an adult, I think is a lot harder Mm -hmm. for me, especially like I like to be with people but I like deep conversations. So there's this impatience in me with the time it really does take to get to that point with people. (laughs) I have to let myself go there and be like, all right, just acknowledge this is going to take some time. Yeah. But I also think maybe part of the difficulty as adults and making friends is that we're trying to sound so grown up and trying to like be all professional and put together and like Mm -hmm. trying to impress everybody. And I go back to grade school like you said, Anson, who's the best at making friends, kids? What did you say to people when you were a kid? You know, like, hey, you want to be my friend? And <laughs> the answer is like, yes. Yep. 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 Yeah. I mean, and I've done that actually a couple of times as an adult. I've just said to someone like, hey, I know this is weird, but I kind of like you. You want to be my friend? And like, what would you say if someone said that to you? You'd be like, yeah. uh, no. I, I would mean, always like it accept tickles that. people yeah. because they're going like, wait, cool. someone likes me? So flattering. Yeah. That's amazing. That's all I've yeah. ever wanted to hear in my life. Life exactly. is that somebody likes me. Yeah. How much do we love hearing that? And you right. know why we love hearing that so much? Because we literally never hear it. Right. We never tell each other, hey, yeah. I think you're a really awesome person and I really enjoy hanging out with you. Right. Like, Anson, the, has someone the, ever the, told you that like a shirt looks good on you and you never want to take that shirt <laughs> off? Yeah. Like, the, like, the power it's, of it's that so kind weird. of thing yeah. is incredible. Yeah. And yet so often we don't leverage it, I think, because we right. think it's going to be weird or right. I think really what it comes down to is the fear of rejection. Yeah. Like, we're just, we're afraid of people rejecting us and we're afraid that if we put ourselves out there and we make ourselves vulnerable and say, Hey, do you want to be my friend? That someone might just go, eh, no. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
you're but like, that just doesn't really happen nearly as much as we eventually. fantasize about You'll it. You'll figure it out that they're not really jiving with you eventually. Right. And I'm not saying like literally everyone yeah. could be your best friend if all no. you did was ask. But, but I am saying asking probably would go a long way. More because people than you realize. More yeah. people are probably lonely than you would think. Yeah. Exactly. I think we just have this assumption that I'm lonely and I can't make enough friends and it, therefore everyone else must already have a friend yeah. and they've already get, when yeah. really everyone's feeling the same yep. way yep. I've got, and they're waiting for us to put ourselves out there just as much as we're waiting yes. for them. Yeah. That's My sort good. of hack for making friends now and I don't know if anyone has like a area where they found it's maybe easier to start talking to people but what I've seen is I am genuinely really interested in all of the weird things that people are interested in. So like the <laughs> second cool. you bring up your weird geode collection I'm like oh dude yeah we're gonna talk about this all <laughs> like, I just am fascinated by that stuff yeah so the other day my sister-in-law was using one of my gift cards that I gave her to go get some coffee beans and mm-hmm. she stopped by in our yard just to say thank you and she brought her boyfriend with her and I knew that he was coming over Ugh. I was wigging out about it because I'm like <laughs> I literally haven't seen another person I don't know in weeks. Yeah. I'm How do gonna, you person? I'm going to be a weirdo. I know it. It's that whole thing again. Have you like, seen bananas? Yeah. Yes. Have you seen, <laughs> seen a banana? Aren't they weird? Yeah. So we, <laughs> we were in the front yard. I, I literally just said like, dude, so what do you do? Like, yeah. I was like, what's kind of the shortcut for like, what are you into? He goes, oh, I've been blacksmithing my own sword lately. And I said, what? What? <laughs> we ended up talking in our yard for like an hour about it. It was wow. so cool. And I really like this guy now. So that was my That's quick cool. way of just sort of let's just cut through all of the gunk here. Yes. What are you about? What's something you like doing? And it's great. Nine times out of 10, someone has like a weird Asian tea set that they love <laughs> or something <laughs> that they're just dying to talk about <laughs> with anyone. So just like ask. That's been my quick way of just awesome. shooting the breeze with people. Like, That's a great suggestion. That is yeah, a good idea. Yeah. Because you're right. I think everybody has those things that they're like really passionate like, about. Yeah. What's and, your yeah. thing? And when someone shows interest in one of your passions, like, oh, yeah. That's a huge signal from people that, like, okay, this is a, this yeah. is a cool person like yeah. they want to actually know about me and what i'm into by the end of it i wanted to physically hug him ah, that's <laughs> awesome weird. and i've learned this trick in making friends in the beginning especially when there's that awkwardness of i don't know how they feel about me and i don't know what to say if you can keep throwing the spotlight back on them it helps like yeah. it helps with the awkwardness it helps you genuinely be interested in yeah. them but it mm-hmm. also helps you kind of gather yourself and calm down and it helps establish some good ground there one other thing that you can do that really helps with this is is to figure out how can I be serving other people. So one way that we can serve them is to ask about their interests and their likes. Mm -hmm. But another way that we can do that is if you're in a small group with people Mm -hmm. or if you have kind of some friends that maybe aren't super close friends, Mm -hmm. but they're kind of acquaintances that are maybe a developing friendship or a deepening friendship. One of the best ways that you can take that to the next level is identifying needs for Mm. sure those people have and delivering on those needs without necessarily asking them yeah. if you can do it or how you can do it. That's yeah. good. And I think that's a really big caveat that goes along with that. Yeah. Because I think we all at times recognize that people around us need help and yeah. we genuinely want to be helpful to yeah. people, right. but we just don't always know how to do it. Yeah. And so we kind of fall back to asking people questions about how we can help them. Yeah. The thing mm. is, because of this individualistic yeah. culture that we have <laughs> we don't and this whole thing about yeah. like relying on other people as weakness, <laughs> yeah. when you go ask someone, hey, I, I know that, you know, you and your 
your wife are kind of walking through this right now, yeah. or you just had a new baby or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, how can I help you guys? Yeah. Nine times out of 10, what you're going to hear back is, oh, you know, we're actually, we're okay. We're good. We're doing good. You know, we're hanging in there, but <laughs> thanks though. That was, that's really nice of you to, to ask. And yeah. like, that's just what people say because that's the polite thing to say. Right. Yeah. But what if instead we could just spend just a tiny bit more time. Yeah. It, it does take a little bit more work, but sure. probably not as much as you might think mm-hmm. to actually think through, okay, if this person was really going to answer me honestly, yeah. right. what would they say? Right. Mm. Yep. If I have this couple in my group that just had a new baby and I want to know how I can be helpful to them yeah. and I were to ask them and they were to answer me yeah. honestly, what might they say? Yeah. Or if you really can't figure it out because you haven't been in their shoes, go find someone else that you do know really yeah. well that yeah. has been there yep. and say, hey, uh, you, you've been a new parent. If someone could have done something for you when you were a new parent, what would have been like the mm. most helpful thing that someone sure. could have done? That's good. Right? Sure. And they'll be like, bring me a meal or yeah. whatever. So you're like, great. Okay. Wait, I can't cook. Right. Like <laughs> gift card. I don't know. You know like there are ways yeah. that you can figure this out to kind of come yeah. up with, all right, I'm going to get a pizza delivered to yeah. their house. I'm not even going to tell them that it's happening. Just a pizza is going to show up on their doorstep. That's right. Cool. I mean, if someone does that for you, yeah. you don't just go like, Oh, they're a nice person. Right. No, like yeah. you go, holy cow! Like people don't yeah. just send pizzas without yeah. asking. That's right. the olive branch to say, like, hey, let's be friends. Right. That's yeah. incredible. And that yeah. so that's basically this giant big, hey, can we be friends? Sign that you're yes. passing on to somebody. Yeah. Right. For sure. And so I think if we can find those opportunities to do something for somebody else, yeah, especially without asking, yeah, that goes a long way towards establishing a deeper friendship because you're basically just proving to that person, I care about you. Right. Yeah. It's like relationship fuel. What's more friendly than that? (laughs) Yeah. As an extension of that, Bree and I realized that before we moved to Asylum Springs, we didn't know our neighbors that well in Mm. Bentonville. And we kind of regretted that because as we were moving out, I'd had these front yard conversations with people of like, oh, yep, I've got the big U-Haul. I'm moving. (laughs) And I realized that, dude, I had some cool neighbors. Like this Mm. guy was rebuilding a car in his garage. And we looked at it for a minute while I was waiting on another truck to come around. And I just regretted in that moment. Like I could have been hanging out with this guy Mm. this entire time. So I made it a point mentally to sort of try to get to know my neighbors in Salem Springs. Mm. And I had been terrible at it (laughs) right up until... (laughs) All of us got plopped into our homes. So I made a little flyer, printed it off with a QR code, and I said, Hey, my name is Isaac. I'm not a weirdo. I created a Facebook group for our neighborhood. Jump in if you want. That's There's so cool. now like 30 people in this. Aww. And just this week, I was like, show me your dogs. And it's a boom, photos. <laughs> and everyone. Social media manager yeah, yeah, Isaac yeah. is killing this. <laughs> just one prompt, like dogs. Dogs. That's but all. It was this quick way to get to know everyone. Yes. And now there's people commenting on there like, hey, I don't know any of you guys. I've lived here for 20 years. And I'm wow. like, we're so bad at this. Yeah. But we are. We've That's now so done good. a service day for an old guy we raked his yard and it can be free pizza it can be setting up a group for your street on facebook by the way that's Mm. super easy to do that's that's cool yeah this is wicked easy to do (laughs) i kind of want to go do that yeah i know i think so much we're just kind of sitting back and waiting and vaguely hoping that (laughs) somebody is going to just magically pop up out of nowhere Uh, and invite us into community and friendship right right and we're just like sitting back desperately wishing that that would happen yeah and waiting for it while 
literally everyone else is doing the exact same thing. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think we're just all sitting in our own homes literally, <laughs> literally right now. Yeah. Going, man, I wish someone would just pop up and be like, hey, let's have a community friendship. Th-, and we would flock yeah. to it because that's think what we want. Us. Right. But but yeah. nobody is taking the initiative yeah. Yeah. to actually go get it started because, again, that fear of rejection. Right. Yes. What if I start a Facebook group and nobody shows? Yeah. yeah. But I think what you're kind of pointing out and <laughs> you have evidence of is that when you do it, People respond because we all want that. Yeah. Think about the coolest part of movies that you've watched where a guy is like walking to his door and everyone's like, hey, Frank. And you're just like, that guy knows the guy watering his tomatoes. (laughs) I wanted that. I really wanted that. And it's slowly now that I know everyone's dogs, we're getting there. That's amazing. Dogs are a huge jump forward in the friendship field as well. Pets are like people's children. They love them. They are. It's so true. When I think of my neighbors, I think a couple of things that have accelerated are neighborhood. I don't even know if I would call us friends yet, but I'd say we're on the path to friendship because Mm -hmm. for me, even just like having conversations with my neighbors was a big hurdle. I was nervous about that. And my husband was like, we need to go meet him. We need to make him cookies. And I was like, okay, that's really scary. But then we had a tornado last fall and all of a sudden we're all out in the middle of the street together at one in the morning with our chainsaws and Mm. like work gloves. And the next day we're all like walking over to these people's houses. We've never spoken to like, Hey, are you guys okay? Would you need anything? And all of a sudden we're this neighborhood, this team. And I think the same thing is happening a little bit with this COVID thing amongst us. And if we let it happen, I mean, yes, we're all secluded in our own homes, but if we can let this break down some of our barriers, some of our insecurity Mm. and reach out to each other and say like, Hey, I'm lonely. I bet you're lonely too. Hey, what the Facebook group or the group text or the just, I don't know, be creative, even a zoom meeting. I don't even love video conferencing, Mm -hmm. but last week we did one with our small group and it was like probably one of the best conversations we'd ever had because Mm. all of our defenses were down and we were all being vulnerable. And that's like the fuel for friendship. Yeah. I think nothing can kickstart a deepening relationship like shared hardship. Yeah. When we go through like disasters together yep. and you see this on like very small scales all mm-hmm. the way to like national or global scales. Yeah. Everything yeah. from like a family going through a really difficult time can draw them closer together mm-hmm. to a nation walking through yeah. a really difficult yeah. time can drive unity. And, mm-hmm. and, and so I think that is so spot on and we can't always like generate like a natural disaster no. or something right to bring our neighborhood together. And that probably isn't a, no. what we want. Right. Right. Like, we're not suggesting like go, you know, set fire to one of your neighbor's houses to bring everyone together. One day my hurricane machine will be completed and you'll see. But beyond just like a natural disaster or a pandemic or something like that, there are plenty of shared hardships that oh, we all yeah. experience. For sure. If we could just open up and be vulnerable about those things. Yeah. And loneliness is one of them. Right. It's really honestly like probably that simple. Yeah. yeah. That's a place to start where we can say, look, I know we all feel like we wish we had more and deeper friendships. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel that way. If you feel that way, come join my group and hang out yeah. and yeah. be a part. Of, and, and I'm not saying whenever we're all going to become best friends with everyone. No. As an aside, I think mm-hmm. that's an okay thing and something we have to yeah. remember as well. I'm a person I think that really enjoys fewer 
and yes. deeper friendships. Me too. And some people prefer more and shallower friendships. Yes. And that varies from person yeah. to person and personality to personality. And that's okay. Right. Mm. But also I think it's important to realize that no matter what your preference is, all of those different types of relationships have value. Right. Yes. Like it's okay to have that person that you call when you're at your wits end and you just mm. desperately need someone to talk to about something incredibly serious. Yeah. It's also okay to have a neighbor that has a cute dog. Yes. And yeah. you have a cute dog and you enjoy swapping dog pics. Yeah. Like, and there's nothing wrong with these varying levels of no. relationship. And in fact, I think we need those. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that's just an important thing to keep in mind. Not every relationship has to become this deep, yeah. you know, like I'm going to text this person at 2 a.m. in the morning when I can't sleep kind right. of relationship. Which is cool because it takes some of the pressure off. Absolutely. Right. You know? So if you're looking for a sort of shared experience, we talked about how in college you have that shared experience of living together. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for that thing... As a jumping off point, I think mm. that there's an element of fear and anxiety that we all have right now yeah. as a nation. So a collective of neighborhoods. Oh, yeah. I guarantee you, I promise you, your neighbors are lonely. I would bet a million dollars that your neighbors to a degree are lonely and they mm. wish they knew who was on the right of them and who was on the left of them. If you can find a way to reach out, mm -hmm. you're going to feel better for it. It's yeah. going to be exercise. You're going to not want to do it. I promise mm. you, you also won't want to do it, <laughs> but you are going to feel better for reaching out. Everyone is dealing with loneliness. So mm. reach out. All right, episode six, boys, guys, we just solved loneliness. We're killing Woo! it this year, man. Look at that. I love how the conclusion at the end of every, every podcast episode. is, "Hey, we just solved X. Did it? We Done. have a, a score chart up here of things That's we right. fixed. I don't know why the world didn't hire us earlier, <laughs> dummies. Really, though, loneliness is a problem that everyone across every background is dealing with right now. Yes, it's hard to take the initiative, but you're going to be happy that you did it. for listening to the real talk podcast from real fm catch afternoons with anson and kara live every weekday on real fm radio the views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent or reflect the views of john brown university klrc radio or real fm just walk up and say hey just say the game